Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. want to welcome you to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. And today we have Troy Al Love uh, with us. Troy is an Amazon best-selling author. He's also a TEDx speaker, as well as being a leadership development coach, and he's the founder of Finding Peace Consulting. That's quite a lot of things that you do there, Troy. I think we're very similar that in that way. Lots of uh, lots of hats, but the same head, as I say. Yeah. Uh, it helps when you have ADHD, I think. <laughs> yeah, cha- channeling that, I'm sure, is uh, is very helpful. And I think that that is something that if you if you know you have and you can get the best out of it, I definitely think it can be a, a superpower, can't it? Yeah, well, I know that most of the family members that I have all have it. So I'm pretty sure I do too. But I, I just like doing lots of things. I like doing things that make me find joy. So, yeah, that's that's a good a good way to be. Uh, really important to be able to find out, you know, what it is that you're good at. And I think a lot of self leadership is knowing actually how to get the best out of you and and how to kind of, you know, make things go further. When you when you know self and your awareness of self is is highly tuned, then we're re- really able to maximize those opportunities, aren't we? Yeah. I think that being in tune to ourselves is hard for a lot of people. Um, but the, I think the most effective leaders are the ones who are in tune. They know what their strengths are and they know what their weaknesses are. Yeah, exactly right. Now, I was going to ask you, I thought this was quite funny when I was uh, doing a bit of due diligence and just researching you, as I always do all my guests. Now, I noticed, obviously, your surname is Love, but you also were born on February 14th, Valentine's Day. So I'm thinking, are you romantic or what? I mean, people must come to you for love <laughs> advice all the time. Uh, I don't know if I'm romantic, but it is true. I really was born on Valentine's Day and I didn't change my last name. That's always been my last name. <laughs> um, but I, I do... It's always been, I mean, I like it because it's my birthday, but I've always wanted to create an energy of love, regardless of it's romantic or not, to be able to find ways to share love with each other, to be kind to each other, and really also to ourselves, which I think is the hardest to do. Mm. Often is, often is, isn't it? Isn't it interesting how we're great at helping other people when we're we're great at um you know giving people like feedback uh some i think we probably all struggle a little bit with forgiveness but even forgiving self seems to be so difficult why do you feel it is um that way troy why do you feel like it is easier to give to others but harder to give to ourselves? well when i was about 19 years old i was i went to this training And the speaker said that if you want to be effective in your life, you need to learn how to love yourself. Uh, If you want to learn how to love other people, you need to learn how to love yourself. And I was so mad when he said that. 
I remember going into the bathroom and having an argument with myself and saying, that's not, that can't be true. That possibly cannot be true. Cause I felt like I was a really kind, loving person. And yet I really hated myself. I hated myself for lots and lots of reasons. And so I'm arguing with myself and saying, that's not true. That's not true. And then this, this feeling just kind of settled on me and, it, and the feeling said, true. Sure, the reason why that's true is because even if you do love other people and you share that with other people, if you don't love yourself, you can't let it in. Mm. You can't let the love in to become reciprocal. And so eventually people will stop trying to love on you because you make it so hard. And I sat with that for a while. And then later on, I realized that what that is, is shame. Shame is such a deep um, feeling that I'm unworthy of love. I'm, I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. And that shame is the barrier then that I would put up. And I think part of me would try to love other people to prove to myself that I was enough, but not really having that be very effective. So to, that's a long answer to your question, but the, the answer is shame. When we really don't believe that we're enough, that we, we really believe that there's something seriously wrong with us, that is what prevents us from loving ourselves and, and essentially loving others as well. Mm, that's interesting. It's interesting about shame. And uh, I think it is our ability to hold ourselves with as much compassion as it is standards. You know, obviously, um, a lot of us that are into the world of personal development and progress and achievement and whether we're creating or entrepreneurial, we're always going to be battling between, you know, holding high standards, but also knowing when to actually say, you know, it's okay that I, that I got that wrong. Mm -hmm. Well, with many of the, the leaders that I've talked to, some of their most growing experiences are when they made a mistake. And if they have so much shame that they can't sit with that and learn about it and be kind to themselves and figure out, well, how could I do that better? Then they don't learn the lesson um, and they can become very arrogant and they can become very judgmental of others. But the ones who are willing to sit in it and learn and grow and are humble about it, those are the ones that I've met that become really effective. And then they're, they're patient when somebody else makes a mistake. It doesn't mean that their standards drop. Mm. They can have incredibly high standards, but they also have learned how to help coach and train in a way that's compassionate and, and rigid, like that, that line is still high. The bar is still high, but they can do it in a compassionate way. And then people, people want to work for them mm. and things get done. Mm. And obviously in the work that you do, because a lot of it's around leadership, a lot of it's around obviously just getting the best out of people we're talking about, um, you know, encouraging people to be able to admit their mistakes, which takes obviously vulnerability. And one thing that I've noticed that you really um, are kind of like foundational pillars to everything you do is is trust. How how do we inspire trust? How do we get people to to trust us? How do you get people to trust you? Uh, so oftentimes when I'm talking about trust, I use the example of a trust jar. Oftentimes, like in elementary school, teachers will have a jar where if the class is behaving well, they'll put marbles in the jar. And then if it gets to the top, 
then the class gets a party or pizza or popcorn or something. And if the class isn't behaving well, then the teacher will take out marbles. Well, we have similar jars for all of the relationships that we have, whether it's a romantic partner or business partner or a friend. We have we all have trust jars. And if I behave in a way that violates your trust or does something that makes you not feel safe around me, you're going to take marbles out of your jar against me. Um, and if I do something really egregious, all the marbles get dumped out. And then the way that I have to build that up is one marble at a time, mm. keeping my word and having integrity and doing what I say I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it, telling the truth as scary as that is sometimes because we're afraid that um, we're going to get rejected or get in trouble. But those minor, those little teeny things are the things that really increase and builds trust over time. So whether that's relationships, partners or a boss or my coworker, I got to keep my word. I have to be a person of integrity to get those marbles back in the jar. I like that. And I like that you've given us like some tangibles, you know, like keeping your word, um, telling the truth, even if, you know, it's uncomfortable. Like um, I think one of one of uh, my favorite thoughts is uh faithful are the wounds of a friend you know when someone is able to to tell you what you need to hear over what you want to hear because fundamentally it's for your greater good right it's hard you use the word vulnerable and that is exactly what it is when i know or when i'm able to hold on to the truth that i'm enough and when i and it's not an arrogant feeling. It's more of a grounded feeling like I'm enough, not perfect, but I have value and you have value and you're enough and you matter. When I'm able to catch on to that, I can tell the truth, even though it's scary because I, it's not, it's not comparing my worth. I'm able to just stand in that and, and be have integrity because that's part of who I am. And mm -hmm. it makes it easier for me to be vulnerable with you because I, I know that it doesn't really change me. I think sometimes when we're, we're vulnerable, we're afraid it's, we're gonna get in trouble or it's gonna change me. And so I don't want to, to be as open. Mm. Makes sense. You identify yourself as a change agent. How do you go about affecting change? How have you, how have you done that? So one part of the, what I help people do right off the bat is identify what, the, what I call our attachment wounds. So as humans, we're, we're wired for connection biologically, neurologically, socially, spiritually, we're wired to be connected. But sometimes as we go through life, some of those connections break and they can be pretty, pretty traumatizing. And unlike physical wounds that can heal over time, oftentimes we don't even know that we have these wounds, um, but we react the same as if somebody were bumping up against a sunburn or something. We react, we pull away, we get angry, those kind of things. So the wounds are loss, rejection, neglect, abandonment, betrayal, and abuse. And I tell people that the wounds painful, they are, but it's, it's really what we've come to believe about ourselves as a result of those. So growing up, I was bullied a lot. So I have a pretty, pretty significant rejection wound. And what I came to believe about myself was that there was something wrong with me, that I'm not enough. And then that 
wound would get bumped whenever I was in a vulnerable situation. I was applying for a job. I was trying to help a customer and and I could tell that they didn't like the answer and that would bump up against my rejection wound and immediately I would turn it into, well, there's something wrong with me. When I was able to figure out, well, that's the story that I've been telling myself and it's not true, then I started to be able to figure out, well, what is the truth? What really is the truth about me? What's the truth about the other person? And as I was able to do that, then when the rejection wound would be hit, because it still gets hit, we live in a world where that happens, um, that's not the immediate narrative, if there's something wrong with me. And so in that, that change allows me to still be grounded, still engaged, showing up as my best self, um, showing up with joy and a sense of peace, and working to see if I can build a positive relationship with you. And I can't do that when I'm when I have those narratives that I'm bad, I'm flawed, I'm defective, which is usually the narrative that gets activated when our wounds get hit. Mm. I I love that. Like I I think you really shine torch on something really important there, Troy. Because I always think that you know we know how the mind and body works. So if if we change our thoughts, then our feelings change. And obviously, you're talking about a trauma response which is almost like a, a tape that we play that says, you know, we're not good enough, like what you were touching on. And actually, until we kind of like, like change, change that, that tape, uh, then it will continue to to repeat. And I just think that's so important because that is really, that lesson is really waiting on you. You don't have to wait on somebody else to learn that lesson. Right. And if we do wait on somebody else, we won't learn it because it has to come from in here. We have to discover the truth within ourselves. I mean, how many people have told me that I'm amazing and that they love me and that and all that, and it doesn't sink in until I believe that that's true. Um, and so it's not that I want to be arrogant and a jerk. It's like I need to know that that's true for me. And when it's true for me, I can know it's true for you too um, mm. because you're enough and you matter just like me. Yeah. You you mentioned integrity earlier and I, and the word that always comes to mind with integrity is is credibility. And credibility is obviously a key component in business and in our relationships. Is there a way do you think that we can check the level of our own credibility is the sink that we can kind of take stock and reflect uh, maybe ask ourselves a question cuz I always find this time of year a great opportunity to really kind of just take some time for self uh, and reflect. Uh, so I wondered, because obviously credibility and integrity, again, are, are pillars that I see throughout your work. Well, when I look at credibility, it's I ask a couple of questions. Number one, do I know, do I have the skills to do whatever it is that I'm being asked to do? So do I have the skills to know how to have a conversation, a tough conversation? Um, if I was an open heart surgeon, do I have the skills to be able to perform that and not kill the patient? Like that, those kind of things. So it, it, the first part of that is, do you have the skills? And second, uh, do you have the ability to use those skills? So are, are you empowered to use those skills? So if, if you came to me and you wanted me to do open heart surgery and I said, oh yeah, I could totally do that. I'm not acting in integrity, right? 
um, and I would kill you. I really would kill you. <laughs> but if I'm acting in integrity, I'm saying, uh, you got to find somebody else because I, I have no clue how to do that. Um, I'm not credentialed anywhere. So you're, I'm not your guy. And that's being open. And you would probably say, thank you. Thank you so much for telling me that. Um, so that's the part is like, you know, I'll have clients come in and they'll ask for help on something. And I say, that is not something I really know how to do. I know how to do this and this might work for you. But if you are wanting to try this, let me help connect you with somebody who does know how to do that. Mm. Or I do know how to do that. So let, uh, and I've had a lot of experience. I've had lots of practice in being able to do that. So let's give it a shot and see how that works and see if we can apply that to you. That requires, I think, an, a, a willingness to be honest and say, I know how to do that or I don't. And I think a lot of people are scared to say that because they're afraid if I tell you I don't know, then you're going to think badly of me. But uh, if I'm on the other end, I'd rather you be honest. Um, and I would like you to have the skills to do what you know how to do. Mm. Yeah, I definitely vibe with that. You know, I challenge that whole notion of fake it to you make it. Because I honestly oh, believe I that we that. should. Yeah, same. Uh, I wrote an article on it say, don't, here's why you shouldn't fake it till you make it. Because for me, it's all about finding your lane and and knowing what you're you're right. good at and, and and doing that. And this is what you're talking about with with credibility, about only putting yourself forward for the things that you actually have the skill and the knowledge. You know, otherwise you cause damage to that person, but also the industry that yeah. you're working in. Yeah, and you cause, you hurt, you hurt other people. You hurt yourself, you hurt other people. And, and I, that's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to cause more pain and suffering. The world already has enough of that. Yes. Now this time of year coming up to Christmas and New Year, it, and we've already talked about like some triggers, but it's very triggering for people because obviously it's family and, and we all have challenges uh, in, in the family dynamic. I don't think anybody on planet earth is, has escaped that one. I think there's always somebody in the family that we have a, a challenge with. You know, and uh, you're a self-love torchbearer, somebody who really flies the flag for for self-love. Um, you know, considering, like I said, like during the holidays, how how can we show uh, ourselves a gr a greater and richer sense of of self-love to be able to na navigate through maybe some of these these trauma triggers that we talk about? You know, you talked about rejection and abandonment, which I think the holiday season, because it's all about family, if you yeah. haven't got any, then you can be a mess. Yeah, well, I, you know, I've I've only met maybe two or three people who tell me they don't have any of those attachment wounds. And I'm like, how have you gone through this world and not had any? Because everybody else I know has tons. So oftentimes we got them from our family, right? Uh, so... And that's not trying to point blame, but we grew up in these homes and these families that maybe were not as functional as they could have been. And so now we're going to spend time with them during this, this season of the year. And so it is highly likely that they are going to bump up against our wounds and we're going to bump up against theirs. That's just, that's what happens. Even in a, in a marriage, in a relationship, I'm going to bump up against your wounds. You're going to bump up against mine. So part of that is recognizing that's probably going to happen. So what am I going to do when that happens? Am I going to continue the narrative that I'm bad or you're bad and you're, you're a jerk and, and I'm innocent? Like, what's the stories that I'm telling myself? And are those actually true? 
or those just stories that I've been holding on to for a while? And can I change that narrative? What can I do to remind myself that I'm enough? And why am I here with these people? Because I love them. I want to spend time with these people and enjoy it. So can I change can I change the topic? Can I we can figure something else out? Can we find positive things that we can share that we're grateful for? Those kind of things to shift the dynamic. And it's also okay if some of these people in your life are not safe to say no. I I I can't do that this this year. And that's also a form of self-love of saying i can't i can't do that uh, to this year we're gonna do something else and and having those boundaries around what you are and you're not gonna do then there's the people who don't really have family and those same narratives of well i'm not enough and and i'm lonely and there's nobody there and we can get into this victimy mode there's lots of people that could use your love and your talents so how can you find a way to serve somebody? How can you find a way to lift somebody up? Um, and that will help you find joy too. Yeah. I think the family one is is the most tricky because people have a sense of loyalty. So they mm. feel, I've got to show up for my mom. I've got to show up for their dad. That They're old, but maybe they're toxic. Maybe they're absent. Maybe, you know, and actually, you know, it's sometimes difficult to navigate the the hope that, uh, they may be different, but then, like, I'm a big believer that that people can tell lies and even people can act a certain way, but patterns don't lie. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes when you know a behavior of someone, even if it's somebody close to you, like, how do you go about navigating that, Troy? What what do you do when it's, say, somebody who, who is really close to you? Uh, I go in with an exit strategy. So oftentimes I will recognize, okay, this is a toxic person whom I love. I love this person a lot, but this is a toxic person. So I'm only going to be there for an hour. And I let them know, hey, uh, as far as what we have, this is the time that I have. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. But that's, that's how I go. And I be as loving and fully present as I possibly can. And then when the hour is over, I say, hey, thanks, I, I got to go. If you're there longer, having an exit strategy of, of a code word with your, your family, say, when I say this, we got to go. Like, we, gotta, we have another errand to run or we have another family to see or whatever that is so that we have a way to get out of a toxic situation because those can be brutally painful. Yeah, they can. It's and it's I, like you said, we're talking about like self-love and the importance to sometimes, as you said, say no in order so you can say yes to yourself because otherwise we just get we just get obliterated and some things you know we just need to not kind of keep poking at at the wound we need to allow we need to allow that wound to heal right if you keep pulling it off scraping the wound it's never going to heal and i've learned that when i am able to be in a better place the other person is probably not going to ever change but when I'm in a better place, my relationship with them changes. I have the ability to love them without resentment and judgment, even if I can't spend a whole lot of time around them. Mm-hmm. And I am learning to not feel guilty about that. Yeah. It's definitely a process, isn't it? As we talk about healing, it's always, always a process. 
always and, and that's literally with our own wounds when a when a bone breaks it's a process and it takes some time we just need to create the environment in which that wound can heal best mm. now you host the finding peace podcast as well i do yeah um what has been your greatest revelation uh, through hosting that podcast? What has been your greatest lesson? So the podcast has evolved over time. Um, at the beginning, it was me just telling stories, and then it was me doing something similar as we're doing right now, interviewing other people. And then the last season, I was able to to just spend some one-on-one -on -one time with people, just regular people who have a wound or two. And what has always been such a blessing is watching them connect with the lies that they've been telling themselves, learning how shame has shown up in their life, and then confronting all of that and being able to come up with their new truth by the end of the episode, and then trying to help them find a ways to anchor that and hold on to it because it can slip through our fingers so quickly. But watching these um, beautiful humans go through that process of connecting with their truth is one of the exper uh, exercises, not exercises, experiences of my life that brings me the most joy. And I love watching them do it. I just ask a question here or there and they figure it out and it's beautiful. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? How sometimes just creating space and opportunity and letting somebody talk, it's almost like, I know for me, I, I process by talking. So, you know, you just being there and letting me talk, I kind of sometimes come to my own realization or own breakthrough. And and, and that, I think that's the beauty, isn't it, of what you're saying? Yeah. And it, humans are, are complex, rich, beautiful humans, beautiful people. And helping them find their light is just, oh, I just love doing that. Mm. We've only got a few moments left, but I wanted to ask you, is there anything like that you really feel like is intuitively in your heart or, or spirit that you just feel like you, you want to share something that you feel like is poignant? I think that what I want people to remember is that you are enough, that you matter, that you have a purpose. And even if you haven't figured out what that purpose is or if, if life circumstances have changed it in some way and you feel like you've lost your purpose, I believe you'll be able to figure that out again. And you, you matter. You have a light. There's a reason why you're here. And once you can connect with that, the, the lives that you will touch and the things that you will accomplish will just be amazing to you and to all of us. And so if you can just remember that you matter, you're worthy of love and belonging, and that there's a reason why you're here. I'm just hoping you can carry that with you. Love that. Now, I've got to ask you before we, we end, and, and uh, I ask you to tell us where we can find out more about you and your work. But come on then, Troy, give us give us your, your best dad joke. Oh, well, <laughs> best dad joke. Okay. Well, you have to understand Star Wars a little bit. But what is the inner temperature of a tauntaun? I don't know. Lukewarm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you don't know Star Wars, the Tauntaun is a, 
uh, an animal in uh, Empire Strikes Back and Luke is frozen out in, on the planet of Hoth and they cut open the Tauntaun and shove him in there to warm him up. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Troy, where do people find out more about you, your podcasts, your, your books, your, your TED Talks? The easiest way to go is to findingpeaceconsulting.com. Nice and simple. Amazing. It's been great to have you on today's uh, Brains podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Mark. You're amazing. Appreciate you. you. Bless you. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Mark Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. <laughs>